0: you are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 michigan conference camp meeting held at cedar lake michigan we pray that the lord will bless you as you listen
1: father in heaven thank you that we're here it's been a good week we've been blessed and uh, i've been blessed and i ask that you'll be with us tonight so that we're blessed once again by your Spirit touching our hearts, by your information which you have. I pray that you'll grant me the right words to say in the right way, just give you honor and glory, and grant me wisdom and make it clear. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to see you folks again. Just a, a little heads up for you. If you want to gain access, PDF access, Mobi access, that's the kind of file that works with a kindle app and uh, or if you have any russian friends i've got a version of that on there too there's two ways you can do it well actually three but if you want to go to i think it's gc.youthministries.org and then forward slash books you can access there and that one is that's free to the world and so you can get a, a, a downloadable version. It's PDF or a movie. That's the first version that I ever had. That's, the, that's version number one. There will be a PDF version available on the conference website of this particular version. I don't know when it's going to be. I've given it to them. They're they're, pro- they're probably going to give it to the pastors are going to get a book Sunday. Then I think probably after they read it, then they'll uh, make it available to all the elders and probably all the church members too, I guess. There will be different ways to get electronic PDF or some version like that, which would be nice because I really don't... <laughs> I brought up the last books I had. I, I saved out about 10 or 12 or 13 of one, and my basically my whole stock's over there in a few boxes. So I'm not really interested in printing a lot except some people just like a book to hold in your hand but i'll find that uh, website for you and uh, there's other books there as well that i think that you would uh, be blessed with let me find it uh, for you real quick when when you get to the site you'll type in forward slash and then i think all you have to do is put books yeah it should be resources books but it'll it'll do that this is the resource page for for books, there are some other books that are free. Pass it on that's by one of the youth leaders. There is one by Dennis Smith. He wrote a lot about righteousness by faith and he wrote about he wrote, he wrote more about the holy spirit he's, he's quite a writer on the Holy Spirit, and his books have been for sale, but he's, he's offered this this one here is downloadable and I've not read it. I have it. actually, I have a paper book. This is mine. That was the first version. that's what it looks like. Here's another one that's free. It's by Dennis Smith. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, a 10-day devotional study. Calling that when you pay for it. My choice. That's Baptism Study Guides for Kids. Steps to Personal Revival. That is for free download. It's by Helmut Hobble, a German man. That's a very popular book. Okay, I see a, I see a head nodding. Okay. Yeah. Here's another one by Andres Peralta. He's one of the youth leaders. You can, you can, can kind of thumb through that. And again, the address is gcyouthministries.org forward slash books or you can put forward slash resources slash books if you wish. I will show you one thing that uh, will be nice. The Lord blessed, showed me how to do this. I never really intended to ever print any books. It wasn't even on my mind. If you click here... A fellow in my church built this website for me for free, and then he built the second one for free. If you click on uh, the second chapter, go down here to the reference uh, links, and if it's uh, an white quote, it pulls up the exact page and paragraph. It allows you to check my context make sure I didn't tell you wrong. If it's like an old uh, PDF, PDF from the archives, You know, stuff that was never reprinted, but you can only get through the GC archives. It pulls up the entire PDF of the issue. You can download it and read the whole article. And so it's good for those who... The nice thing about this, if you have church members who are afraid this is something weird, maybe a little offshoot, take them here. It should help with that. Our topic, of course, is does it actually work? Where's the evidence and can it work in North America? And I think last night when we heard from our gentleman who, who the Lord just arranged that visit, it's very clear that it works, amen? amen. But it's useful to compare that, that, that division, world division, with another division that has the same method as ours, but is adjacent to it and has the same demographics, The Lord blessed, and I was able to do that. You know, I didn't know what I was doing when I embarked on this thing, but I knew I had to write a book, and at the the most difficult point in my life, I sat down to write this. The fact that anything ever came out of it, you can just thank the Lord, not Wes McDonald. So anyway, examples from the U.S. and abroad showing how God's true methods are actually working. In a few areas of the world, the work of God is actually doing God's work using his biblical methods. Not 100%, and I'll explain later, but very close to 100% compared to us, okay? Uh, And the results are astonishing. And you know, I was going to see if there was a piano player and I was going to sing the song and everything, but let's just look at the words, or we can sing it together if you want. Rescue the perishing,
0: care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. We pour the erring ones, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. I want to lower it down. <clears throat> Though they are sliding him. Still he is waiting, Waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, Plead with them gently, He will forgive if they only believe. Rescue the perishing, Care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer our Savior has died. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save.
1: My, I keep repeating the same things over. That That's not the, the refrain. Forgive me, man. Anyway, I I thought of that. I'm singing it lousily, looking at the slides and thinking another thing. I'm not with it again. But anyway, the Lord has blessed us with that gentleman. And as you read through those words, despite my singing, (laughs) you're reminded of some of the things he taught us. How they would go to their neighbors and pray. And then they would win their hearts. And then when somebody needed something, you know, or maybe there was a funeral or maybe somebody dying, they would call the neighbors, not the pastor. That's powerful, isn't it? How many of you realize now that you can do these things? You can do these things. Now, for us to accomplish the finishing, our part, excuse me, of the finishing of God's work, the Holy Spirit has to give power. It's impossible for us to do it without the Holy Spirit's power, right? Now, you'll remember these slides. You know, it takes... The moon is roughly 240,000 miles away and it would take 10 days at 1,000 miles an hour to reach it. And the number of people living on the earth is 7.25 billion and if they stood 3 feet apart it would be a line of 4.1 billion miles long. And at 1,000 miles an hour it would take 171 days and 10 hours to pass them all. That was astonishing to me the first time I actually did the math on that. But I can't imagine that there's that many people on this planet that if you stretched them out, you can do the math. You can do the math. That's what it is. And also, the number of people dying on Earth is 180 roughly a million, 182, uh, excuse me, uh, million. And if, you la- and if you laid them down three feet apart, the mile, the it would be 103,403 miles long, a line of people. And at 1,000 miles an hour, it would take four days and eight hours to pass them all. We also learned that there's 28,955 Seventh-day Adventist ministers, including bo- both ordained and licensed. At three feet apart, the line of Adventist ministers is about 16 and a half miles long. We're doing some review tonight, but we're going to bring out some things. And if the Adventist ministers are 16 and a half miles long, which at 60 miles an hour, you can do in about 15 minutes, 16 and a half minutes. But just the dying folks on planet Earth would take quite a long time, to fly by at 1,000 miles an hour. You see that only with the power of the Holy Spirit can we do it. But the Holy Spirit demands, the Holy Spirit is here with all the power, and he tells us how to access that power. And we've talked about our unwillingness, or in many cases, ignorance. You know, not really knowing how to go about this a little bit of review here tonight. We're going to draw some things together. And uh, so we looked also at the North American division um, rates of growth in members. And we compared them from 1863 until 1932. And then from 1932 to 2017, I believe it was. And we learned why we did that in 1932. It's because up to that point, the church had no official church, manu, manu, church manual. They were using a book written by Loughborough, and it was kind of an unofficial manu, manual. But along the way from 1863, when we formed as a denomination, the, the people and the ministers started to go back to a standard model of ministry like the other Protestant churches. The ministers started hanging around the churches that had been established a little too long. It's an easy thing to do when you start a church to kind of hang around too long. But the more you hang around, the more dependent the people get, the less they study for themselves. And since you're the one with all the soul-winning ability, then they figure they're going to leave it up to you. And so you end up with a weaker church spiritually, one that doesn't grow And as our friend from Zimbabwe pointed out, you have more youth that stay with the church if you have a church where you don't see the pastor often. It's counterintuitive for those of us in America who who didn't know about this because our default is if our church is failing, we want an evangelistic pastor. Uh, If if we don't have any youth in our church, we want a young pastor. And if our church gets old just, uh, you know, starts turning in enough tithe and we have more than average members, then we want two pastors. And the more you do that, the weaker the church gets. You get to where you have people that pay, pray, and obey. So from 1932 onward, though, we had the official church manual for the first time. Now, the ministers and the members were already settled into this. They were already kind of locked in. But at that point, the new church manual, probably because of the influence of everything that was going on leading up to that point, it officially stated the minister's duties kind of like we have now. And then around 1900 we sent missionaries abroad and we sent them with the wrong model of ministry. This is why the whole world is infected with our areas. I mean with our, with our errors, excuse me. And in other parts of the world, they, they grow a lot. They grow faster because they have no money to pay ministers. But they always look to the U.S. They want to be like the U.S. Their greatest goal is to be like us. Their, their greatest goal is often to have more ministers so they can be like us and have one in every church. That's their goal. And if they had enough money, they'd do it. Okay? So we started the mess up we need to start to straighten out, amen. And what better place to begin is one of the primary early Adventist centers, Michigan. <laughs> you know, so much of our denomination, early denominational, early denominational history, was right here, right here, and uh, we can't really deny that. And it's so anyway. During the first 69 years, from 1863 to 1932, the number of churches in North America grew by 18.3 times. Started in 1863 with 125, and in 1932, there was 1,932 churches. No, excuse me, there was 2,285 churches. But that's only two data points, a beginning and an ending number. If we were to track all the data points along the curve, you would see earlier when we were more obedient, the curve would be sharply upward, but then it would kind of level off more. You see what I'm saying? The more data points you have, the more accuracy in seeing what actually occurred during the meantime. But really, for our purposes, for what we're trying to prove, those 69 years, those two data points, get the idea across, okay? And with what's written from Ellen White and from all the other things, we, we can just see what happened. Her writings fill in the data points for us. So 18.3 times the churches grew or, or increased the number of churches. But now, in the next 85 years, from 1932 to 2017, more years... But the number of churches in North America grew by only 2.4 times. 2.4. And um, and if you again, if you looked at that curve, multiple data points, you would again see a sharper curve upward and a flattening out toward the end. When my father-in-law was in the ministry, they still held campaigns two and two. 1939, he entered the ministry. And they would still do campaigns with two people, or teams. They, no one ever did a solo campaign. And when they went into a town, they would, they would set up what's called a tabernacle. A tabernacle was, kind of, would be, it was made out of wood, but it was the equivalent of a butler building or a metal building today. It was a temporary structure, and the campaigns were longer. They weren't two, three, four weeks. If you go back far enough, there were some evangelists that had campaigns six months long. Yeah, and, uh, and so what would happen when the evangelist family did leave town, those people were well indoctrinated and they had a temporary church until they could build one themselves. You see how the, ch- the, the, the thought process has changed, okay? And uh, it, it would have been unthinkable to hold a campaign by yourself. That wasn't where it was. So even from 1939 until now, Things have not been the way they are now. And so all of this gradually changed everything. So now what about the membership in North America? During the first 69 years, from 1863 to 1932, the number of members in North America went from 3,500 to 135,837. That was an increase of 38.9 times. Now that's a sharp rise, isn't it? But again, again, if we had all the data points, you would see a curve that would be flat you know, not as sharp toward the end. From all that we see in Ellen White's writing, she fills in the data points. Okay? So now from 1932 onward, some of this is review, some of you may be here for the first night, first afternoon, excuse me. But during the next eighty-five years, from nineteen thirty-two to two thousand seventeen the number of members in North America went up by only 9.2 times. Okay? 9.2 times. 1,249,715 from the other figure. That's not so much. And again, filling in the data points, it would flatten off. I supplied a lot of those data points with the history of what happened between then and now. Ellen White wasn't alive at that time, but I had enough history from my father-in-law, other things that have been written, denominational authors and so forth, that we filled in those data points, and we see it's pretty flat now. It is so flat, so flat, so flat, that uh, I'm going to show you something that is going to be startling. No, it's in, let's just see here. You remember that... um, we showed you some data showing you how the accession or baptism and professions of faith accession rates dropped when you added more ministers, okay? And you can see here, I won't tell you what conference this is because I don't want to embarrass, uh, people, I don't want any conference to think that I am embarrassing anybody, even though this is freely available, you can look at it yourself, but I'm simply reporting the situation North America wide. So I have information on a union, and I have information on, you know, and I'm not gonna tell you what union it is either. That's not my purpose. But here you'll see, and, and from the left it's 2009, all the way to the right it's 2019. It's a total of 11 data points, but you're talking 10 years of data. You'll notice that the accession rate, 2009, 2010, and so forth, it goes from a little over 3%, 2.1%, 2.77%, and uh, 1.92% and then immediately immediately it drops down to 1.2% but the year before that there was a sharp increase in the number of ministers that particular conference had uh, they must have had a little extra money or something so they hired more ministers but the number of churches did not increase during that time if you add more ministers to the existing churches, the growth rate will decline. Period. And it may not ever increase to what it was before, unless you lose some ministers and, they, and then it kind of settles out. And it's sad, but this is actually the, the, the real live truth. Yes, sir.
0: I was recently a member of the Iowa-Missouri conference yeah. for two years, and the fastest church in that entire conference has no pastor. <laughs> Every other church is, doesn't don't compare it to, that, to that one church. Wow! There's no faster.
1: So there's there's evidence there. Th- thank you for that uh, information. You know, there, you're going to find that there's a lot of that. Now, I want to show you what it looks like on a bar graph, though. This is the same conference I'm talking about. Online, you'll also see bar graphs. Look at the bar graph. You can see the year uh, that the ad- that the ministers were added. Things really went started to go down, but the year afterward, the ministers were in place probably the whole year. At that point, it dropped down to to a negative number. You see, it's striking, and 2019 is pathetic. You see, and um, now. Um, now, when we look at we're going to look a little bit now that, that was enough of that for now, okay <laughs> Now, this is what we've been talking about, comparing adjacent divisions. In South Af- excuse me, South America, the pastoral assignments are not based upon specific churches, like in here in America. Like, if, if I were to ask a pastor, "What's your district?" he'll say, "Oh, I have this church, this church, this church." That's the basis of assignment is specific churches want a pastor we think it'll work with one and there you go in South America it is by geographic territory regardless of whatever however many churches is or no churches whatever they take seriously covering every square meter or every square foot of, of their geographic territory because resp- God holds them responsible for every nook and cranny that, that they, that, where they are as he does with all of us, right? We're to go into all the world, which means all the little towns and the big towns scattered, okay? So there, but now inter-American division, that's Central America, Mexico, stuff like that. They assign their ministers based upon specific churches. However, they give their ministers 10 or 20 or 30, and up here we just give them one or two or three. Well, the church is grow faster down there. The the lay people have to do more because they rarely see their pastor, but their pastor is still checking on churches all the time. And so his ability then to be free from that responsibility and go into areas where the church members don't live is, is more limited. So, but those two divisions, I mean that division, the demographics are the same. Central America and South America have identical demographics. You talk to somebody from South, uh, South America or Central america they'll, they'll confirm that. They have the same kind of politics, same kind of culture, same kind of languages, same types of economies. All of these things are very, very close. And so that was important because if I compare North America with Central America, the conversation ends after 30 seconds because the demographics are so different. So the Lord blessed me with finding this. So what you'll find here on this uh, graph, if you look at um, the total accessions during the, I did a 12-year data set, uh, we have Inter-America with about, oh, uh, two and a third million. We have South America division about 2.7 million. Now, the... uh, And when we look at the number of minister salaries, they are higher in the South American division. But when we look at the number of church plants in that 12-year period, can you see that there's not that much difference between the number of ministerial salaries to account for 36 or 700 additional church plants. When you do the math, actually figure out all the math, that, that, that speaks for itself. And so the number of minister salaries per each new congregation added was 4.6 in South America and it was 6.6 in inter-America. So it takes, you know, roughly, well, it's not fully 1.5 times, it's one point some odd times more ministerial staff to start a church, a new church in Central America. And the only variable that we're looking at is method of ministry because the demographics are all identical the culture, even the landscape, all those things. In fact, it could be said it's probably a little little harder because in the southern portion of South America, you don't have balmy weather year-round. It's cold. They're close to Antarctica. So this works. End of story. It works. Now, when we go across the ocean, and our friend last night, Mpinyu Maji, I love to say his name. I like to practice those things. But, but he, uh, he confirmed a lot of this last night, Okay, a lot of this last night. Now, here we find that when we compare South Africa, Indian Ocean Division, which has territory-based assignments, and we compare East-Central Africa, and I've been there many times, Somalia, Ethiopia, uh, Kenya, I worked. I was the first acting project director for Adren Somalia in '92 and '93. It was an exciting place to be. I'll leave it at that. It was. It was. You didn't even have to show a passport when you landed. You could take in anything, leave with anything. There was no government. Period. And so you will see there that the total number of accessions East Central Africa was was like here. Instead of one or two or three churches, is ten or twenty or thirty. So it's church-based in East Central Africa. Okay, I was aware of that, and um, so the total accessions, baptisms, professions of faith in each one was about and two point three million. That's a lot of baptisms, isn't it? Okay, and the number of congregations is close. They're roughly about six thousand apiece. So you're saying, Wes, what are you trying to prove? Look at the number of salaries, though. Now, the way we calculated salaries here was, if you have 100 ministers on staff this year, that's 100 minister years. One minister for one year is one minister year. Okay. So if you have 200 in a year, that's 200 minister years. So what you're looking at in the ministerial salaries, the minister years... For South Africa, Indian Ocean Division, is sixteen thousand eight hundred and fifty-six in that twelve-year data set, but notice that in East Central Africa, it was twenty-five thousand five hundred and four. That is nearly nine thousand salaries difference to accomplish the same work. How many of you think that's a big deal? You know, sometimes when you're dealing with Bible truth people often don't have faith to go forward with something that's risky professionally. Please understand that. But if you candidly look at these figures, and again, the Lord taught me how to do this. You know, I'm not a math genius. I was good in math in school, but this this the Lord blessed me in, in doing this. So that's notable. Now, the members per accession, the number of members it would take to, to uh, you know per every accession was close. It was uh, you know about 13 apiece. So that that's an, that's a measure of member involvement. So, like in North America, if you had hundred members in a church and you had uh, you had two baptisms that years, two, two baptisms that year, that would be fifty members per accession. Okay, so and that's not so uh, that's not so unusual here in America. Okay, so that's to show you the comparison. And uh, now, one thing though, I want to I want to ask you something. And uh, from his description last night, okay, uh, and in these situations, a minister is assigned to a territory. Okay. And uh, they even do have some, some interaction with the churches in Zimbabwe and in South African Indian Ocean Division. But like, for instance, uh, I was told by uh, Passmore Mulambo. He, the, the, uh, he is the uh, ministerial director for the division. And he said in Angola, in one man's territory, there are 90 churches. And what he does is he, he meets with just the board members, every two months it's like a camp meeting for board members that's what you'd have to do with something like that. Now with what I just said, is that model a hundred percent biblical? Think about scripture now is that a hundred percent biblical a hundred percent biblical Let me ask you another question if it were a hundred percent biblical with the power of the Holy Spirit would it have exploded off the map and growth? Yes. Yeah. But in what way is it not 100%? Now, you know, in America, it's not biblical. Okay? You go to inter America, and it's not as bad as here. It's still not biblical, but it works better because there's not enough pastors. If you go to uh, South America, South Africa... It's more biblical, but not totally yet. So, what? What two things? Two things.
0: According to our guest yesterday, they tend to idolize the pastors and the upper okay. workers. That okay. maybe I don't know. That's one okay. of the problems, but that well, seems to be a well, problem.
1: Well, you know, as he was saying some things, I thought to myself, "There's one thing I hadn't planned to bring out, but I'm going to." The Lord gave me stuff all night long last night, and I got to get it through it fast. We only have 20, uh, 19 minutes, or yeah, something like that. Now, from Testimonies, Volume 7, 19-20. Our ministers are not to spend their time laboring for those who have already accepted the truth. With Christ's love burning in their hearts, they are to go forth to win sinners to the Savior. Beside all waters, they are to sow the, um, sow the truth. Place after place is to be visited. Church after church is to be raised up. Those who take their stand for the truth are to be organized into churches and then the minister is to pass on to other equally important fields. Did the Apostle Paul, except for a rare occasion when he would stop back by on a trip, did he weekly meet with people? He wrote him a letter once in a blue moon, but today there's no excuse we have cell phones. When I went to school, when I was in first grade, they would ask you if you had a phone. But now we we feel like we're lost without it. You go all the way across the country. So you've seen this picture, we're kind of like that, right? Right? You see, what you have is you have, you know, the the pastor, he's dressed like a, in Australia they called it a nanny uniform. But anyway, and I have a little video on that. You can, you can see that video on that website. That's on there. There's a little video, but first thing you see is the pastor. The next thing you see is adult children. They look like little children. That's, they have a 1940s look. You can see on the ground they've been drinking some milk. but off in the distance, you see this vast field and only a couple of laborers. The sun is going down. The storm clouds are coming. You can't harvest wet grain and it'll be lost. Okay? That's what's going on. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved Jeremiah 8, 20. That will be the cry of the lost. People are being lost every day because of these issues. But now let's look at some text. This that's one area. They still haven't broken away to that point. To that point where the ministers only rarely come by, and it's not like every couple of weeks. I mean, they're still involved more than what they need to be, to be totally biblical. It, perhaps there's ignorance involved, and in some cases, maybe people are struggling with trusting the Lord to fulfill his word. Luke 10, verses uh, 1 here. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two. Okay? Into every, uh, before his place into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If the laborers are so few, why did he send them two and two? Ever thought about that? Why did he send them two and You know, two to go into one place. If he's got so few. Seems like he'd spread them out, right? That's the way we would think, right? But he says he the Lord himself, and these things the Lord appointed seventy other also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. And he said, The harvest truly is great, and the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Because there's so few, all he can send is two. But why does he still have to send two? Yeah, you're on track there, okay? You're on track, sir. You said to encourage others. Okay, that's true. The... um, uh, and so, we're to pray to send forth laborers into the harvest. Apparently, there's more laborers, but they're not in the harvest. It would suggest that. Okay? Now, <clears throat> manuscript release, uh, releases volume 15, page 59. Listen to this. This is from Ellen White, of course. I am instructed to say, now, when the prophet says, I'm instructed to say, you better listen, that where an effort is made to open the gospel work in a new field, there should not be less than two speakers to labor together in the ministry. When Christ sent forth his disciples on their missionary two, he sent them two and two by two. This is the Lord's plan. Now from evangelism, page 74, this was originally written in Review and Herald, July 4 at 19, excuse me, 1893, Advantages of United labor. <clears throat> There's need of two working together. For one can, you're right, brother, encourage the other, and they can counsel, pray, and search the Bible together. In this way, they may get a broader light upon the truth. The one will see one phase and the other another phase of truth. If they are erring, they can correct one another in speech and attitude so that the truth may not be lightly esteemed because of the defects of its advocates. If the workers are sent out alone, there's no one to see or correct their errors. And everyone thinks they're right, even when they're wrong, right? And But when two go together, an educating work may be carried on, and each worker become what he should be, a successful soul winner. Why not today? This is the next paragraph. Why is it that we have departed from the method of labor which was instituted by the great teacher... Jesus himself instituted that. Jesus knew more than we did, a lot more. Why is it that the laborers of his cause today are not sent forth two and two? Now wait, suspense now, suspense, okay? Oh, you say, we have not laborers enough to occupy the field. And she says, then occupy less territory. If the Lord's in a hurry and he says, occupy less territory, it means he wants it done right the first time without errors because everyone thought they were right and they weren't. That's the way I would read it. Send forth the laborers into places where the way seems to be opened and teach the precious truth for this time. Can we not see the wisdom of having two go together to preach the gospel? Wow. Didn't we get told off? (laughs) I have some Bible verses. The Lord never changes. The Lord never changes. The Lord does not have a modern prophet that disputes the previous prophets, correct? One of the tests of a true prophet is they have to be 100% in harmony with the old prophets. Nothing changes. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another man to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not is not quickly broken. Ellen White says, not less than two. Now, doesn't that go along with Ecclesiastes? Two is good, but three is better. Right? Because that way, you get it done right the first time. And the two who are out there grow spiritually because of each other. Now, you'll notice what... um, when Maji said yesterday, they have mistakes, but they work together and they grow together in the absence of the minister in Zimbabwe. But if they were to send them two by two, after they educated them right the first time, there'd be less errors for them to have to correct. The churches would be stronger. They would be done right the first time, the first way. Stay long enough to do the job right. Send two or three, Whatever. And then the minister passes on because now he's done with that place. He doesn't have to come back every two weeks and have a board meeting for all the elders of 90 churches. Right? Okay. Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord. Repeat it with me. I change not. And I love this text. For those who think the Sabbath has been changed, think it was under the old covenant, you know they give you all that nonsense. Psalms eighty-nine, thirty-four. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Were the Ten Commandments spoken from Mount Sinai from His lips? He never changes. Neither does He change the way that He set up the church to run. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday come on with me and today and forever Acts 28 we read this before Acts 20 verse 28 excuse me this is the model and this is the proof and this is proof that the Holy Spirit said it take heed therefore unto yourselves he's talking to the elders from Miletus Paul was on his way back and as he's passing by, he's going to stop in for a few moments. He's not, you know, going to all the churches and checking in on them every few weeks. It, it had been a blue moon since he'd seen them. Long, long time. So he stops there, stops at Ephesus. He, I mean, Miletus calls the elders from Ephesus. That's verse 17 of chapter 20. And then in verse, uh, verse 28, he says, t- he's speaking to the elders. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which... Over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the flock of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. When we studied out that word overseers, we compared it with text to text. Here, little there little, we discovered it means pastors. The elders were the pastors, just as in Zimbabwe, they even baptize. I serve technically as an elder. Well, hey, Pastor, okay? I serve as an elder. Everyone gets baptized. I do it. And it's legal. So I know about this. It's nice that he said it. I told you it was in the manual. I live it. Now, sometimes conference presidents may be. Uh, you know, not willing to grant that permission because they're not too sure, they don't want you to get the big head or they don't want you to start some offshoot movement, there has to be a level of trust. And there also has to be a need. And so forth. It's not just a blanket thing available to everybody. And we have so many pastors around, it's probably not going to happen routinely here until a while. Although, you know, if it needs to happen, it can. Legally. John fourteen twenty six, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And the other thing, too, about the Holy Ghost telling them that, that was the Holy Ghost. That was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who has all the power we need to finish the work, is telling us what to do so that he can pour out, so that he can be permitted to pour out his blessings. Because he's not permitted to pour out his blessings on disobedience. You see? So, so if the Holy Spirit said it, I don't want to mess with the Holy Spirit lest I grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay? John 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. Yep. And so... We find that the writings of Paul. The Holy Ghost had descended upon the, the church by then. We find him taking Timothy along. Two and two, by the way. Okay. We find uh, him preaching the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should, uh, you know, follow along in man, another man's footsteps. That, that's that's Wes's modified version. I'm struggling for words right now lest I should build upon another man's foundation. That's what it is. Also Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto you, given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you all the way even to the end of the world. Was Jesus speaking to you and me or only salaried pastors? Thank you, sir. All of us, you're correct. Now, because of practicality, not all of us can move all over the earth. We have to hold our jobs. But we can certainly do this in the area that is surrounding our church. However many miles away you can stretch, do it. But if you, if the Holy Spirit calls upon you to move somewhere, just go because if the Holy Spirit calls you to go somewhere, He will supply your need. I've had that happen. We've talked about this this week. The fact that you got five presentations is... <laughs> is proof that the Holy Spirit gave me something to tell you because when I left home I only had one. I had to build one every day. And I just prayed, Lord, you've never let me down before. You know? I was I was trying to do it the best I could. So much was going on, the devil trying to stop everything. And I had all these things going on. And I lost one or two days of the work that I had done in preparation. Oh, my goodness. And finally, I left the house Thursday, and I had nothing but one. Nothing. And somehow, the Lord has blessed me and and you. We've all been blessed through this. You know what it did for me? It increased my faith. It increased my faith. You know, I've been through a lot I had an evangelism team member under kidnap threat in the Philippines. I was in Somalia in 92 and 93. Everywhere I went, I had Muslim bodyguards with with military-grade weapons. Somali Muslim bodyguards with military-grade weapons protecting a Christian worker. God works in mysterious ways. And you would think I would have perfect faith the Lord knows he's got a basket case on his hand. <laughs> but it gave, I have greater peace now, and I'm, the Lord knows I'm struggling, so he's, he's making me struggle. John 20, verse 21 to 22. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. I got peace, right? You guys get peace. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost.
0: To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org/audio2021, or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.